Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the 615 Preps Podcast. I'm Chris Brooks, and alongside Scott Burton, thanks for joining us this week. We'll get you ready for week six of high school football in Middle Tennessee and uh, try to pick some winners along the way and who you got. A little bit different format this week. We've got uh, a little bit longer section on some of those top games because there's some doozies to pick this week. Scott, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, the weather Friday night was awesome. I oh my. can't complain. It was football weather. I'm wearing the same hoodie that I wore Friday night, so whether that makes me a slob or not, I don't really care. No, it, well, I'm, I'm, who am I to judge? Right. You know, I'm wearing work clothes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I went, Friday night was perfect. Yeah. Because yeah. the weather was great, and I got home, and Annette made her homemade chili. It was a perfect weekend for football and chili. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and fall officially started today, actually. You know, we record this on Tuesday and the first day of fall, and it felt like it. So, yeah, you know, that's that's always a good thing. Some good football, too. Um, you, know, you were over at Wilson Central and Mount Juliet, and that played a big rivalry game at Barnburner. And I had Brentwood and Ravenwood, and it turned into an overtime classic. And we wound up, we, we picked some good ones this year so far. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we did a good a good job so far, and and the people have done a good job so far uh, in the fan games. I think yeah. they've done that. Yeah. But uh, speaking of of games, we have new games this week. Yes, we do, and I think I, I teased this like in one of our opening drive segments in the morning about uh, singing the "Welcome Back Cotter" theme song <laughs> for Metro because they deserve the, the welcome back. They they've waited long enough and. Metro Nashville seasons officially kick off this Friday. And honestly, those kids have been through a lot, and they deserve to be on the field. So we're happy for them to be able to play. Oh, yeah. I'm so, so happy that uh, the powers that be uh, made that decision to let these kids uh, get out there and play. I think part of it has to be – I think part of it you have to recognize as the success of programs that are playing. Um, and, and those programs that are doing things the right way and, 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 show, and, and actually gave a, a good, clear path that it could be done. And also, too, I think you have to recognize the advocacy from the coaches and from the high school football community in general that had their back in these conversations and were able to push this forward to the point where you know, there's a plan in place. The coaches were giving them ideas on how to do it safely and – they're going to get to implement those plans now in, in actual games. Now, the, the downside to this is, unfortunately, fans are not allowed in the stands right now. Whether that changes or not remains to be seen. But as we get started with those teams, there will not be anybody in the stands. Unless, of course, the venue changes. Yes, which a couple of them already have. And Bradford and Green Hill, I think, have swapped their game next week. It was supposed to be at Stratford. It will now be at Green Hill, and fans can go. And, and why not? Because without your fans, you have no home field advantage. You have no gate, really. I mean, what are you? Right. What are you making? You have no concessions. Yeah. So what is? So why not have a, you know, have a a game where, yeah, you know, maybe maybe you can get a little 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 cut. I don't know. <laughs> that actually has to be some of the planning a little bit. I mean, it's a consideration that when these deals are made, you have to take that into consideration. 
are you going to give the opposing team a little bit of the gate? If you do that, then it makes a bit of sense to do to make that swap. Well, and Cambridge and Smyrna are doing the same thing at later in the year. Also. Yeah, well, I mean, at least pay, for, pay enough to pay for the bus fare and right. and the and the food. Yeah, you know that a you know, little little chunk of che- uh, chunk of cheese for the effort, right? Right. Um, but again, I think that and, and even if it's like 15 percent of the gate, you know, that's better than nothing, which is what they would be making at home. Oh, exactly. And the and the the home team now gets that uh, gets a little extra, too. It's, it's a win-win for both sides, I think, if they do it. And I think every Metro team, if they can, should consider that route the rest of the season. I agree. Maybe not in the playoffs. That's a different animal entirely. But during the regular season, why not? If you can make a deal with an opposing coach to maybe get a little bit of the gate and have your buses paid for and all, and those expenses taken care of, why not? I can't think of a single reason not to. I mean, there's no home uh, field advantage when you don't have your band or your fans there. Exactly. Exactly. There so, isn't. so you know, you, you make a you make more money traveling if that's the case. I mean, if if I'm a coach right now in Metro, I would be considering that for every game the rest of the regular season. Absolutely. Of course, except for the ones that are against right, other Metro, Metro, Metro teams, and you can't really avoid those. Right. Right. Uh, but I, you know, I think that. Let me go back and uh, just something that you said that I don't think could be said enough. I think that you're right. You know, it's really came down to the coaches taking responsibility for this, developing a plan, but more so than anything, taking leadership when that was a huge gap that was missing. That was the word that was on my lips. Leadership was the most important thing in this deal because they they actually showed leadership and it was badly needed. Yeah, it was it was non-existent. It was lacking. It was well, lacking for lack of a better word. Yeah, in some areas and non-existent in others. But yeah, uh, exactly. Well, I guess it just depends on where you know. I mean, the, I, I, again, understood that this is a very very difficult time and a very difficult subject and there are no right or wrong answers uh a hundred percent yeah understand that and i understand you know just going to the side of caution but there's also something to be said for you know the sickness of the soul the you know of, of you know providing a safer space than what these kids had staying home mm-hmm. and i think that again you know they the coaches stepped up and do what coaches do they lead yeah yeah so just a, a big kudos to all of those metro nashville coaches who who came together for the cause and and helped make this thing happen and now we they get to reap the rewards of it yeah i i, I hope that uh, that that uh, fellowship continues yeah. and grows Let's talk about last week for just a second. Um, Brentwood Ravenwood, the Battle of the Woods, man, it just it lived up to every bit of the billing, and it didn't start very well for Ravenwood at all. The first two offensive plays were interceptions, one on a trick play and then one, one that Trevor Andrews threw to the sideline that he shouldn't have. They started out poorly on offense, and if there was a moment with about seven minutes left in the first quarter that I thought that this thing was going to get away from Ravenwood fast. But their defense did the job and stepped up. 
and kept them in the ball game early, and it gave them a chance. Yeah, that that was surprising. That was shocking to me when I when you told me uh, the way that game started, because that is so not like Ravenwood to 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 turn the ball over four times in a game. And they, they committed four, and you know, for whatever it was, just the mistakes compounded each other. There was one in the fourth quarter. They had forced a Brentwood punt. Then they had 12 men on the field. That wound up turning into a whole big delay because the officials moved. The, the chains moved, and they had to figure out where to respot everything because Brentwood – and it turned out Brentwood got a first down out of it. That – that was amazing to me, and and I I still don't understand, and you know part of it's not my fault for not understanding because the people that I was listening to uh, calling the game didn't understand it either, uh, and 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 couldn't figure it out. Um, my understanding, my, what little I had was that they had trouble with the balls where the ball had to be spotted, where the ball had to be spotted, and they had already moved the chains too. They had to reset those. They had to actually go to the TV monitor and essentially go to instant to, to replay basically to figure out where they were wow so and that took about seven that took about six or seven minutes to sort out in the end it was a 15 yard penalty on a fourth and 17 one of being fourth and two ravenwood then jumps off sides and gives brentwood a first down and on that drive they go down and have a shot at a game at a go-ahead field goal which they missed yeah, I did see that in your highlight and, package. And then you know, they wound up going to overtime, and Kay Granzo had all four Brentwood touchdowns, or accounted for all four. He threw he threw one and, and ran for three others, and he ran for the game winner in overtime. A controversial ending. Ravenwood, on fourth and goal, throws one into the end zone. My view from the end zone was kind of blocked by players. I couldn't see whether it was caught or not. Some people were saying it was. Some people were saying it wasn't. We'll never know. There's really been no good camera angle to show whether it was or wasn't that I've seen. No, I could be wrong. There may be one out there. But from where I saw, it looked a lot like he caught it. Yeah, the video I saw looked like it had a catch too, but it was so close yeah. that you understand how somebody might be able to miss a call. You know, If they were going to use replay in that game, maybe they should have thought about doing it again. Right, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, now, my understanding is that uh, uh, Walker Merrill tweaked a hamstring during warm-ups in play. Did that have uh, – I didn't see him out there, and I think it affected their game plan because they didn't throw very much. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that because that's a very, very big weapon to be missing. Well, he's been dealing with that earlier on in the year anyway, and I think it may have just been aggravated to the point where they just wanted to be cautious with it. Well, that's that, – this going to be interesting uh, – yeah, you know, maybe uh, three years in a row losing in the regular season, the Raptors have won two in the uh, in the postseason. Yeah, the rematch may be coming again, and if it is, then we'll see if a third time's the charm or if Brentwood can actually pull off a sweep. It's been hard to do. Yeah, familiarity sometimes uh, is your enemy. So yeah, that's but it sounded like a heck of a game. It was a great atmosphere too, and you know, even with reduced capacity, and there there was a bit of a cut in the crowd, but you know, most people were were cognizant of of social distancing where they could. 
Yeah, and, and I understand the student sections. I mean, if they're going to be in school. They're around each other in the halls anyway. Yeah, I mean. At this point, what are you going to do? Well, yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of the same situation over at Mount Julie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, at uh, Wilson Central uh, in Mount Juliet. Um, the student sections, uh, yeah, they were lively. Uh, they were all together. Um, a very big crowd. Um, I, I will say that uh, uh, I didn't take notice of any uh, any cut in the crowd, but uh, it didn't appear that way. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, truthfully. It was an incredibly sloppy game on both sides of the ball to start out. There were, I think Mount Juliet had like 13 penalties for 92 yards. Uh, Wilson Central had 11 for 70s. Uh, and so many of them were like pre-snap penalties, you know, offsides, um, you know, illegal procedure, you know. But in the midst of, I mean, there was a lot of yellow on that field or a lot of gold on that field, and it, none of it belonged to either team. Mm. You know, <laughs> they were uh, at some point. You know, I was just waiting for those uh, refs to get those, you know, those yo-yo flags. You throw it down, suck it back up. You know, but uh, you know, in the midst of this flag fest, was some really, really good defensive line play on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, the game was all about the big play. Uh, scoring started. Bears get the first drive. They capitalize on a short field. Uh, Kowalski's a 33-yard field goal. Um, and then, uh, you know, Wilson Central started to get going, hit a long pass, get in the red zone, but then uh, they throw an interception to Colin Gleaves. Uh, and then a few plays later, uh, they ran a fake reverse uh, with Baggett and uh, Jamari Soul. Baggett faked to Seoul, and then took it down the right sidelines, 53 yards. That was all the scoring that Mount Juliet needed for the night. Um, as it was a 10-7 final. Um, but, the, you know, but, but the teams kept moving the ball, and they got a pick, set them up first and 10, the Wildcat 14, mishandled snap, penalty, and they miss a field goal. And, um, you know, Wilson Central, I mean, they – Wilson Central got close in the in the third quarter. Came out very much still believing as they came out at, at halftime. Drive uh, in the third, they get a long pass. It was just a, a pass out the flat. Breaks a tackle, takes it down. Um, a couple plays later, uh, Ezra Wildlock. Uh, uh, that was Ezra Wildlock on that long pass, but uh, sets up a six yard uh, touchdown to. Uh, Clayton Duke, and if I'm not mistaken, I mean, at that point, Coach Perry was just livid. Uh, uh, he, uh, he, he saw it coming, and I think that it was just a breakdown in, in coverage. Wilson Central gets a chance late. They get the ball back with under a minute left, but uh, uh, they actually get close to midfield, but then a long throw uh, gets picked off and, and just uh, – it, you know, and that was all she wrote. Um, but really, if there was an MVP in this game, it had to be the Bears special teams because their punter just kept putting, you know, kept winning the field position battle. Um, you know, the missed field goal was out really out of Kowalski's range, but it's the second week in a row the penalties hurt the Bears. Uh, they had a uh, a long uh, 
touchdown run by Soul called back for a block in the back that would have iced the game in the fourth. Uh, but uh, and and Coach Perry, you know, he, he after the game, you could tell he just was not happy with his teams. It wasn't the effort. I think he was more upset with the mental errors that they made. Um, but he also gave a lot of credit to Wilson uh, to Wilson Central for for the way they played. And he said that this is one of the toughest atmospheres to play in. So all in all, I mean, it's a great atmosphere. It was a, a for a 10-7 game, uh, there was a lot of excitement because there was a lot of movement of the ball, a lot of great plays on defense. But it was just one of those things that, uh, you know, you can have two teams out there and it's just, you know, they can't finish the finish the job. Yep. But uh, good rivalry game nonetheless. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've got to do a little bit more work here with the Citizens Bank Player of the Week Award and had several nominees with great out, or great performances. Oh, my gosh. It was not easy this week. No, it wasn't. No, let's, let's run through the finalists real quick. Uh, mention King Granzo for Brentwood. 113 yards and a touchdown through passing, 112 and three on the ground, including the game winner over Ravenwood. Um Davidson Academy quarterback Jared Vito, 16-28 passing for 313 yards and three touchdowns. Also ran for 59 yards and a score. Davidson Academy beat FRA 40-28. Kelvy Rice, seven catches, 187 yards in that game and two touchdowns for Davidson Academy. Caden Snitzer for Eagleville, six catches, 110 yards and three touchdowns. They beat Community 40-8. to Luther Richardson, Lipscomb Academy quarterback, 14 of 18 passing, 249 and two through the air and ran for 48 yards and two more scores. They beat Good Pasture 45-13. Patrick Wilk from NBA had 18 carries for 236 yards and two touchdowns. NBA beat MUS 30-27. Nolansville running back Samson Johnson, 26 carries, 250 yards and four touchdowns as the Knights won 48-19 at Lawrence County. And Cavantes Hudson, Springfield quarterback, 10 of 14 passing, 258 yards, three touchdowns, ran nine times for 92 yards and three more scores, and also had six tackles on defense for the Yellow Jackets, who beat White House 48 to 24. Now, we had our fan vote over the week, and Luther Richardson came away with 38% of the vote. He had he was a top vote getter in that poll, so he gets the fans vote. Scott, it's up to me and you. Oh, wow. Uh, now, there's no doubt that Richardson is deserving, and it, it, it really came down to, at first blush, it came down to three players to me. Um, but when I look at it, you know, Richardson, that's an that's a incredibly efficient night. Two TDs, and then you rush for 48 more and two more scores. Uh, good passer, good team. You know, uh, yeah, you know, I also I really liked Sam Johnson, uh, twenty six carries, uh, two hundred fifty yards, four touchdowns. But my vote is going to be Cavantes Hudson uh, for Springfield, ten of fourteen passing for two hundred fifty eight yards. That's just an incredibly, incredibly efficient passing night, three touchdowns, and then nine carries for ninety two yards. And three more touchdowns. So he's not just sitting back slinging the ball. He's actually running the ball as well and all that. But also, he's playing both ways. He's also playing defense and contributes yep. 
six tackles. Yeah. And six tackles is a respectable game for any defensive player. Sure. If you are, you know, one of your top team's top tacklers and you're the primary scorer and you're throwing the ball, I don't know that you have a better week than that. So I'm going to have to go with Kefontes Hudson here. It's hard to argue against that. I mean, and I, Samson Johnson had a monster night for Nolansville. So let's, let's make that very clear. He's well, he's very deserving as well. Richardson had a great night for Lipscomb Academy, and I think he's going to have another shot at one of these awards very soon. But I agree. Uh, I think Kevontes Hudson just doing it on both offense and defense in a rivalry game and a key region game in a game where they needed a lot of his scoring to get it done. Mm. And that's a good point. You know, I'm, I'm very, very good with, with Kevontes Hudson winning the citizens back player of the week award. And I'm giving my vote to him as well. So congratulations to Springfield quarterback Kevontes Hudson. He is our citizens bank player of the week for week five. And with that, We've got to take a break. We'll be right back after this on the 615 Preps Podcast, so stay with us. Hey, folks. If you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let 615 Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season to suit all needs and budgets. For more information, shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com. That's 615preps at gmail.com. 615 Preps, Friday night's finest play here. Welcome back to the 615 Preps podcast. Time for us to try our hand at picking some of the best games in the area each week. We do this. It's called Who You Got. Scott, um, kudos to you. You had the best record last week. How did that happen? I don't know, but it did. Well, I, 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 honestly, I honestly was so, so distraught over last week, I didn't pay attention. To what it was this week. How did I do? You were seven and three. Wow. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good week. Was yeah, that's a good week. I'd, yeah. My, myself and Drake, and we had six and four records, and, and the Twitter voters took it on the chin. They were five and five. Oh, come on, Twitter voters. You can't let me. I, yeah, they had, they had, you had mercy on them last week. They had mercy on me this week. I, I guess so. I guess so. But uh, I've got a three game lead at 33 and 15. I can see you from here, but yeah, I'm still looking at you. Well, the wrong you side you, of you and the Twitter voters were tied for second place with 30 wins. So, oh, I'll take 30. Who knew? And Drake's in fourth with 28. Again, that that first week that he had is in is is very much in the rearview mirror. <laughs> it's way off in the distance. Yeah, that's uh, yeah that that's unfortunate for him, but yeah, you know, it it comes with. Uh, you know, it it comes with uh, learning everything. The team, and let me tell you. It's luck. I mean, for the, some uh, of it is, yeah. Some of it, some of it's luck. I mean, there were some games out there that um, I'm sure that I got and that uh, had no business. This is not supposed to be easy. I mean, we put these ten games in here for a reason. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. How we doing? How we doing head to head on the rest of them? Ah, uh, that's that's not as good of a story. 
On my, on our both our parts? Well, on mine. Uh, okay. I think you have me be like eight games now. Ah, okay. I I honestly did not bring that up to knowing what the the deal. Was. I haven't looked at the I haven't looked at the numbers in a couple of days. So well, see, that's maybe that's what we maybe we just once close I our s- eyes, pick games. Once I s- I just start throwing darts or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a cat, so it's okay. I was gonna say, you know, basically, I just you know, spit kibble around. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, my but, dog went seven and three. Okay. <laughs> Take that into account. Take that into yeah, account. Yeah, he right. is blind and deaf, by the way. <laughs> you might want to stop while you're still ahead here. Oh, but, poor Beagle. But without further ado, let's get to the games in hand. Nolansville, Columbia starts us off, and Nolansville comes in this game winning three in a row. They were 48-19 to 19 winners at Lawrence County last week. Samson Johnson had a monster week, a big game for him. Uh, 26 carries, 250 yards, and four touchdowns. Just absolute beast of a week for, for that young man. And you know, they head to Columbia. Columbia knocked off Lincoln County 30-21, but they, were, they had lost their last two before then. So I look at this game, and I think Samson Johnson is in line for another big week. I think you're, I think you're right. It's, uh, I mean, so far on the season, he's got nearly 500 yards uh, rushing but they were, it's a it's a quiet 500 yards until this last week, and he just exploded. Right. Um, I'm like you. I mean, I can see a lot of good things. This was two very big wins for two programs. Yeah. Uh, coming into this, into this game, um, you know, after losing the season opener against Brentwood, they just continued to increase their offensive output. Um, Ryder Gallardi, uh, Gallardi, uh, 35 to 65, 457, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, he has the ability to make plays of his own, too, with his legs. Um, but let's talk about their defense for just a second. Their defense has created six interceptions already on the year. I mean, they, their defense is no slouch. Right. And if you want to talk about defense in Columbia Central, you want to talk about them, too. You know, they they broke a two-game losing streak before the big region win. Their quarterback, Braden McCandless, he's he's tall. He can make the corner throws. They really don't want to throw the ball. They, they'd they prefer to be a running team. Their receivers do a really good job of running DBs off the route and then coming back. But if you look at that, a defense like Nolansville, if you're going to make those kind of throws, you better be on time or they're going to feast on that. Uh, I think they'd much rather run it with Justin, Buck, uh, Justin Buckman. But, you know, this – this is the last tune-up for the Knights before meeting uh, Tullahoma. I like the Lions to keep this close. I think there may just be a little too much uh, defense for the Knights. I expect Grant Reeder and Braden Rose to create havoc for Nolansville. I like the Knights here. I do, too. I think that uh, this team is starting to really come together at the right time, and then they've got to because that Tullahoma game next week is looming pretty large in the schedule. So, no. For Nolansville, for me, um, feed, Samson, feed Samson Johnson again. Get him really just kind of going and setting the tone for that game. And if they can do that, I don't think Columbia will be able to keep up offensively. I think it's a little too much for, for them in this game, and I'll take the Knights as well. So we'll, we'll start off by going the same direction in that one. Uh, Brentwood at CPA is next. Now this one, Shoot. this is a barn burner right here. because. Oh, wow. 
both these teams are, are coming in riding high. Can you can you pick two quarterbacks that are as hot as these two teams have right now? Hard to. I mean, it's hard to. They're both coming off. Uh, you know, both teams have solid mobile quarterbacks that can throw, and quarterbacks that most likely will be playing on Saturdays uh, at some point in their future. Um, Cade Law's improved. He's matured physically, mentally over during the offseason. He's as good as they get. Uh, he's 31, 59, 462, and eight touchdowns. Only has one pick. He's also their leading rusher with 239 yards. Yep. Um, even though Tyler Reed's their primary back. Uh, between him and Patterson and Hayes, none of them's yet to break 100 yards. So Cade Law pretty much uh, a lot like Cade Granzel in that the offense runs through them. Mm hmm. Um, I like CPA's defense. Their defense stout, and they've got uh, they had two more turnovers this week. They got they're a turnover machine, and they held BGA to only 147 yards. But Brentwood, ooh, uh, you know, as Cade Granzel goes, this team goes. I mean, honestly, well, you saw it, you right? Know. Uh, this team's all about running the ball. Um, Sean Williams, he he runs the ball really well. Questions: Will Walker Merrill be ready? Now, my understanding is he tweaked a hamstring, and he's a big. They may have to shut him down for a few weeks. We'll see. Um, now that Ravenwood's in their back in in their right. review mirror, um, the big matchup in this game, I think, is going to be Langston Patterson against Cade Grasnell on the ground. I honestly believe that as the linebacker core goes for CPA, so this game goes. Um, I think they'll try to keep him in the pocket. Um, man, between picking these teams means either doubting CPA, which I promised I wouldn't do, or doubting Kane Grandsell, which I can't do. So I'm going Brentwood. I don't think it's so much doubting either team. Is The key matchup for me is going to be CPA's defensive line against Brentwood's front because everything that Brentwood did with Grandsell running the ball was started by that front. They'll attack certain parts of the line, and the linebackers are going to have to come in and support. And with Langston Patterson and, and others in that linebacking core, I don't see them having a problem doing that. But can the front hold up enough against that push to limit their offense, to limit the Brentwood offense? That's my biggest question in this game. Walker Merrill, if he plays or not, they can afford to sit him because he needs to rest. They've got three straight region games after this. So they need to sit him, fine. They're not going to throw the ball enough as it is anyway. They want to run it. I think CPA is the only team left on this schedule where the independents will give them a, will give them a good game. But I think CPA has the best shot to beat Brentwood, and it's going to be behind K-Law. This might be a low-scoring football game because I think both defenses play pretty well, and I'm going CPA. I can see that. I mean, it really was tough to pick this. How, if you looked at special teams for uh, either of these teams, d does one have an edge over the other that you know? No, and reason being, uh, Brentwood's kicking was a little inconsistent last week. In fact, they don't really. Granzo will, will quick kick sometimes in in fourth and short situations, and really they just try to keep the ball away from Ravenwood's returners on kickoffs. So, kicking deep wasn't really an option. If they couldn't get in the end zone, I think on the special teams, you know, CPA is going to be ready for that. 
I think if C, I think if this comes down to special teams, CPA does win. Yeah, but it, but it has to come down to that. Yeah, I think at that point. So yeah. I, I I yeah I'm picking Brentwood just because I I I had to. <laughs> yeah. Well, we welcome our first Metro game of the season into this exercise as Hillsboro and Pearl Cone to get at it in a TV game this Friday, and you know there's so many unknowns with these teams coming back. I mean. They've been ready to go, but they just haven't haven't gotten it yet. So the the big thing for me is are their game how fast can they get their game legs under them? That's that's a good question because we saw in the opening games this year uh, teams struggle and good teams struggle because you know there's no substitute for playing somebody else. Uh, you know, right now when I look at picking a winner, I've got two because they get to play. You know, both teams get to play. Um, you know, Maurice Fitzgerald finally gets his team out there on the field. You know, some teams would flinch at the prospect of having to play the Firebirds in week one, but these guys really just, you know, they're, they got to be chomping a bit, just happy to get on there. Yep. Uh, Jalen Macon, I'm sure, is really ready to go. Uh, he's got a great arm. He's got some weapons to go with it. Uh, but I'm interested in how Adrian Huey plays. Uh, reports are that he can score at just any time he gets his hand on the ball, that he's Electric, and I'm. It'd be interesting to see uh, that, and also on the defense, uh, Desmond Henderson and Simon Robertson, if they're going to be able to contain Pearl Cone's backfield, which has, you know, you know the two-headed monster back there. Um, yeah, Coach Brunetti, though, boy, it, you know, he he always has these guys ready to go, and I think that they've been itching to get back on the field since Blue Cross Bowl. I, I yep. think they, I think they really have. You know, after after speaking with him after the loss last year, he told the guys were just wide-eyed in that atmosphere. And now that they've got that behind them, I think they want to get back in there. They mm-hmm. want to get back to it. Um, and now they're seasoned. Martino Owens back under center. Uh, I talked about uh, Breed, uh, Kendrick Breedlove and Ivan Dayton in the backfield. And if that wasn't explosive enough, they got Barry and Brown on the outside. Right. This is an explosive offense, and I think – as difficult it is to pick a winner, since we haven't seen them hit anyone yet, and even the most talented teams can come out flat, especially with first-game jitters, I'm going to go with a team that has unfinished business here. I want to go with Pearl Cone and the Firebirds. We could see another shootout like it was last year. It was 47-40 to 40 Pearl Cone, and again, it was played at TSU. This one's going to be played at Pearl Cone, so maybe a little bit of an edge to the Firebirds, although no fans are going to be there, which is unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Um, but you know, but you know, right now it's kind of a mixed blessing. Yeah, it get is. them on the field yeah. first, and we'll, you know, let's get them on the field first, and then fix number two. Yeah, this, the quarterbacks in this game could really put on a show with Jalen Macon and Martina Owens, and I expect them to. I mean, they're going to be ready to go. They will have enough time to build chemistry with their receivers that I think the passing game will actually be in a, in a pretty good spot coming out of the gate. The key to this game for both teams is. Keeping your head, yeah, it's going to be yeah for sure. Yeah, you know, you know, not giving up dumb penalties or you know, you know, giving teams an advantage. I think we may see fewer of that just because sometimes in these types of games, having fans there can make it worse because they can egg it on a little bit with with the crowd noise. If you ever hear crowds get really rowdy over a bad call, it can kind of compound things. Oh yeah, with that not in play this week, maybe. You know, you hear your coaches. You don't hear fans. Right. Your coaches are telling you to calm down. 
then you better calm down. Right. So we may see some fewer penalties that way just because of not having that extra layer of, of crowd noise to, yeah. to help to kind of disturb things. The, the 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 thing is is that the referees better not get used to this. I'm sure that they love right. the prospect of this. Yeah, you know, I can make a call and I don't have you know, three hundred you know, three thousand fans yelling at me. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's something else too. But uh, I'm like you. I got to take pearl cone on this one. The unfinished business is, is a good point, but I also think that this team, you know, they have. They just want to get back out there and go, and I just I like their ability to 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 be game breakers in the open field, and I think that that'll be enough. But this one's going to be a fun one to to take in. Oh yeah. So let's move on. Hendersonville and Independence is next, and you know these two have had a little bit of a history, but it hasn't been great for Hendersonville lately. Independence comes in winning their last three over Centennial, Blackman, and Franklin. While the Commandos, they won 27 to 10 over Lebanon. I lost at Beach a week earlier. They're they're at three and two. But I, you know, Jackson Campbell has another chance to to put up some numbers this week. I think. Yeah, he does, and he's arguably the MVP for this region, uh, just for his value to his team's success so far. Fifteen touchdowns in four games, 791 yards passing. Eight TDs, four hundred sixteen yards rushing, and seven TDs. Uh, he is people that were worried about what the quarterback position was going to look like after graduating uh, their quarterback last year. Uh, he's put any question to rest, and then some. Um, you know, in Calvin Wilson, Calvin Wilson, you brought him up last week, mm-hmm. and he came up big. It was you know. You know, give yourself some credit. You may not have had a crystal ball in the picks, but you did have it in this because you called. You said he would have a big night, and he had a big play with that 62-yard touchdown catch on their first offensive play. So you don't know who's listening to the podcast. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they put the, hey, Chris thinks he's going to be open. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, they did a good job holding, uh, holding Franklin to 144 yards passing. And only 51 rushing. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Connor Beaver, uh, Beaven, uh, only 51 yards rushing, and he was the team leader leader in rushing. Um, you know, all this after giving up, you know, 40 to Summit in week one, they're averaging now less than 10 points a game on uh, giving up on defense. Yep. So Independence is more than just a one trick pony. Right. Hendersonville, on the other hand, they continue to get better. Uh, I I think the beach game they were in it they made some mistakes. Yep. Um, they are a good team that has to o- just learn how to overcome uh, adversity a little bit. Uh, they had three interceptions against Lebanon. Uh, they held DeQuante Shannon to fifty eight yards on nineteen carries. No easy feat. No. Um, and then. But offensively, this team just flat runs the ball. Rowe had 145 yards rushing. Keon Stafford, another 58. But they got to take care of the ball and keep it away from Jackson Campbell. Yep. I think they do what they do every year. They improve as the season goes on. But Independence averages nearly 30 points a game. I keep expecting the Eagles' defense to falter, but the competition seems to be getting better every week, and they step up. And until somebody knocks the Eagles off their perch – I'm going with Independence. All right. I'm sounding a trap game alert because this is a trap game spot for Independence. 
they cannot be looking forward to Brentwood next week. They cannot. Because if they do, they'll lose this game. Hendersonville special teams problems aside, like you said, they are getting better and defensively holding DeQuante Shannon to that rushing total. That's that's no easy feat. They do have a little bit of trouble against dual threat quarterbacks, though, so Jackson Campbell may be in for a big night. I like Independence here because I think I thought last week I thought Franklin might have enough offense to take care of them. They didn't. Hendersonville, I think, might have enough offense to take care of them. They may not. I like Independence here getting ready for Brentwood with a statement win, and Hendersonville may have to go back to the drawing board next week. They may do it. And you made a good point. I think that a lot of this, uh, their defense, you know, what they were able to do against Franklin, you know, I didn't see because I actually picked Franklin in that game. I did too. And I didn't see that coming. I thought that their defense was suspect, and they stepped up. If they can force Hendersonville to throw the ball, they'll win this game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Springfield and Marshall County, and we don't typically do a lot of games with teams out of our coverage areas. Marshall County is one of them. But this one's hard to ignore. I mean, these are two very strong 4A teams squaring off in a non-region game. Springfield headed down to Marshall County to play this one. The Yellow Jackets have been on a roll to start the season, but they're running into their toughest opponent this week by far as Marshall County has been pretty good in their own right with wins over Shelbyville and Giles County. Yeah, I, I, you know, Springfield, this is a good test for them before embarking on region games the rest of the way out. Uh, so this would be a, a, a good chance for uh, uh, Coach Wilson to, to see where his team's at and, and give them a test. Offensively, it all runs through Cavantes Hudson. Uh, you know, 39 uh, uh, carries, 400 yards, uh, you know, nine touchdowns, two, uh, 10.3 yards per rush. He scored seven touchdowns last week, of course. Uh, we talked about that. Um, yeah, yeah, he was – but to me, the impressive thing was his passing. You know, 258 yards passing. You, you don't often see that out of a Springfield team. Uh, they uh, – especially not since he's been back there because they've been a rushing uh, – uh, definitely a rushing team. Uh, Gabe Kelly was a big target, 137 yards receiving, plus he had 13 yards rushing. Um, but they did give up 200 yards rushing to White House. Yep. And, you know, you know, prior to this game, they, they had only allowed 24 points in three games, but then you give up 200 yards to White House. Now, you know, game, you know, things happen in games, and, uh, but I couldn't see anything in film that said that this was, these were late yards. Um, I don't think they were. I think this, these were true yards given up. Uh, but Marshall County, they put up 174 rushing yards against Giles County. Uh, so this is going to be a test of that. Um, you know, they have a quarterback, Bryson Hammonds, uh, who can throw the ball. Uh, he's got 115-point uh, QB rating, but their primary back is Connor Hilton, and he had 44 for 167 and four touchdowns. The Tigers are very good. They hung 50 on Shelbyville. And that's pretty good. Yep. Uh, however, I don't think they faced a quarterback like Hudson. They're going to have to key on him and shadow him, and they're aggressive on defense. But with a guy like Hudson that can backfire because you can get past that first wave, he's gone. All this, you know, you said last game had the makings of a trap game. I think this one kind of does for Springfield. If uh, 
just because if they look past this towards region games, I don't think they will because this is a too good of an opponent to do that yeah. with. Uh, but I'm, I think that this, you know, it seems like every year a team, a good team has a, a stumble. And I'm thinking this may happen to Springfield this week. I'm going to go with Marshall County in this okay. game. Yeah, I don't believe this is a trap game spot for the reasons you just said. And whether Springfield can win this game on the road or not, uh, it, it, it's going to be on Cavantes Hudson. It, it will be. So if Marshall County can contain him, it's going to be a long night. And I don't know that they can. I'm. This feels like a better Springfield team than last year, and I, that's kind of hard to say given what I saw from them last year. I think this team might be even better. And this is the type of game they've got to make that statement with because they don't really get a lot of chances to do so. This will be a statement win for the Yellow Jackets. I think Springfield wins big at Marshall County. So we need to take a break, but uh, we'll come back and we'll finish up who you got after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Welcome back. Time to finish up who you got. And a big rivalry game this week, Macon County and Trousdale County. Now, you know, normally this is one of those games where these teams just don't like each other. But here's something else. Macon County's 5-0 and over the first time in 47 years. Ooh. 1973 was the last time they were 5-0 and in a season. The Tigers are at this point, and they have to go to arguably their biggest rival to continue that streak. Scott, what do you got? Well, you know, making jobs, uh, making job, making county has done a good job of winning the games they should win, but now their schedule gets tougher. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I thought that replacing John Mark Gammons uh, was going to be tough. It's been made a little easier by the uh, play of their quarterback, Brady Brooks. Um, they have a stable of running backs. I mean, there's no one that you can point out. But Ethan Jenkins is their, is their bell cow, uh, 300 yards rushing on the season. Uh, you know, he's got five touchdowns. He can catch you out of the backfield. Uh, they get the most out of the wing tee they can with uh, uh, Logan Whittemore, Hunter Heron, and Nate Green as well. Their top receiver, Landon Whittemore, uh, he he he's got seventy one yards. Uh, they don't throw the ball a whole lot. He's got the, he's got the most yardage, but all the scoring receptions have been by Cameron Houston, uh, who has nine catches and six touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good average. We talk about efficiency, and that and that's the definition of it. I knew you'd like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, defensively, they get after you. Uh, they have fourteen sacks along with four fumble recoveries and four picks. Um, and they pretty tough on defense. Austin Robinson has 53 tackles already this year. But Trousdale County. Yep. Uh, you know, they faced a, sp- a speedy runner or two last week against, um, let's see, and uh, let's see, Jordan Pickett, uh, 19 carries, 103 yards, scored both touchdowns for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, sorry, I was looking at uh, I was looking at that one. It said speedy runner. They were at uh, Westmoreland. Yeah, you gave me a funny look. You're right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you write over your notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jaden Hicks, 13 carries, 99 yards. Um, they only threw uh, two passes last week, and that's com- about on par for them. Yeah, they completed one. Yeah, for negative two yards. That's about on par for them to yeah. throw two passes and, and run the rest of them. 
Yeah, and, and they've been dealing with the injuries in youth all year. There are two obstacles uh, for this team that uh, uh, they've been fighting, uh, you know, you know, along with those come the mental mistakes and penalties that get to be the big issues. But this should be the last real test, I think, until playoff time. And so they – but you make a really, really good point. When it comes to a rivalry, you throw a lot of that out the window. Yeah. You really do. Um, you know, last year it was big plays – that did the Tigers in against Trousdale that, you know, they had a long run they gave up. They gave up a really long pass to a tight end. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that broke the game open, and, and you know, Macon County just couldn't recover coming from behind. If Macon County can play a solid game fundamentally, force the Jacks to throw, and be close late, I think they could pull the upset. If not, it's going to be a long night. But I like the Tigers here in an upset. A little stat for you here. Macon County was was shut out in each of the last two games against Trousdale County. The two previous games, they actually scored. They won both of them. They've been shut out by the Yellow Jackets in three of their last five games and won the other two. So it tells me there's a trend here. If they get on the board, they're going to win. I think they're going to get on the board, and I think they're going to win. This Trousdale County team, when I saw it at Watertown, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was not good. They were not they, they were not focused. They were undisciplined. And offensively, they were just inept. They've gotten a lot better since then in two weeks. This team's going to be a, a deep runner in the two-way playoffs. They're going to learn something this week about how they can get better because Macon's going to be able to throw on them, which most teams, if you can throw the ball, you can beat Trousdale County. But the teams they play generally don't throw it. Right. So, I think the corners for Trousdale County are going to have a challenge in this ball game. And as long as Macon County doesn't make any mistakes and doesn't turn the ball over, they'll be fine. Yeah. So, I think this is a close game. Usually is when when these two did, did together and both teams score. But it feels different with Macon County this year. I don't know why. It just they're, they've not been in this spot in a long time. But I think they don't care about that. So. All right, as long as we don't always always pick against Trailsdale County. Well, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I could go on a separate rant about that. <laughs> All I'll say is this. If you don't follow us on social media, you have no business commenting on anything else related to us. Yeah, I fed the troll. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You feed the troll, I'm going to disembowel it. I'm sorry. I know that. I I know it didn't bother you, but I couldn't help but picking it. I, I make no bit. apologies for no anything. And, and, no, and ever and you shouldn't. I'm not going and to. You shouldn't. But I just like. Uh, I, I especially make no apologies that I can actually spell. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to poke the bear just a little. bit. Oh, you poked it. All right. <laughs> Woke me up. And we move you on. Call down the thunder. <laughs> and we move on. Move on. Because we've got to. FRA Lipscomb <laughs> Academy. Another region game for the Mustangs to kind of set the hierarchy in this region. FRA, a couple of weeks into their season, they've no, they've they beat White House, then they played Davidson Academy. That didn't turn out well for them. Week three, we kind of find out more about what FRA really is. Lipscomb Academy is starting to roll right now. 
They've got a big game against CPA Looming next week, so they but they can't overlook this one either because seating's on the line. Yeah, I, I agree with you. FRA is just now getting going. Um, you know, this is this game's going to let them know where they are in their development. I mean, at shortened season. You know, unfortunately, it's it's the way it is. Uh, you know, Luther Richardson just uh, he had a pedestrian fourteen of eighteen for two forty nine and two touchdowns last week. <laughs> Yawn. <laughs> right. You know? I thought you were actually yawning there for a second. Like, what in the world? Uh, you know, they took out previously unbeaten good pasture. Um, you know, Kelby Rice just torched, uh, uh, you know, secondary. But, I, you know, I want to talk about their defense. Lipscomb's defense is playing so much better this year, I think, than they did last year. I honestly do. I th- and I think Jaden Lyles is playing very well in the defensive backfield. Um, but FRA did what couldn't be done in three games this season. Scorgan Stavis in the academy. Yeah. In the academy. Yeah. Um, you know, their quarterback, David DeRocher, put up 221 yards passing and two touchdowns. Something I didn't think was going to happen. I didn't know that anybody would get 220 yards passing. I didn't know that they'd let that up all year. <laughs> they were on pace to not do that. So. Yeah. Um, the offense was able to move the ball. They picked up 21 first downs. So I thought maybe, just maybe when I saw saw they scored, I thought maybe, you know, it was late scores or something like that. No, you pick up 21 first down, you are moving the ball. Right. Um, so, th- thus far, FRA's got a good passing offense, or at least that's what they've shown so far, but they got to get more than 74 yards out of the running game. Uh, Jeffrey Virtue is going to need to keep the ball away from Luther, uh, Luther Richardson and company. You know, this, their defense uh, allowed 427 yards, including 124 yards rushing, and gave up 303 to Jared Vitato. So, you look at this, I think it's a good test for both teams, but if you're giving up that kind of yardage, you're not going to last against Lipscomb Academy. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, once again, we're talking about uh, another shootout. I think Alex Broom actually plays a bigger role, but I think it's going to be fun. I think the Mustangs run with this one. Good quarterback duel here with Richardson and then Drosher. And these two gunslingers are going to be a big part of what this final score looks like. And I won't be shocked if both teams were in the 30s. So it could be it could be 40-35 or somewhere in that range. But I think I think Richardson and the Mustangs are, are hitting their stride at the right time. And they've got a little bit more game legs under them than the FRA does. I think that will make a difference here as I think Lisbon Academy gets this one in a close game, but also probably in a shootout. White House Heritage in Portland next on the docket. And the Patriots are 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in region play. They've already gotten Springfield out of the way, so the path for the playoffs for them is pretty simple. Just win, and you're going to win out the number two seed. For Portland, it's a little bit different because they're at 2-3 and three and 0-2 oh and in region play, and this is a must-win game for the Panthers. Yeah, I don't think that's uh, hyperbole to say this is a must-win game. I think you're right. Uh, not with Springfield still on the schedule. Yep. Um, and Creekwood, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, a win for the Patriots set up a big showdown with Creekwood for second place in the region. Uh, I mean, there are other game, there are other teams out there, but I think just the way they're, they're playing, I think that that Creekwood game, uh, White House Heritage game, could be for second place. Yeah. Um, White House Heritage, outstanding defensive team. They held Taylor Groves in check most of the game with East Robertson. 
Uh, you know, with the ex- exception of the Springfield game, they've held their opponents to 20 points or less. Do a good job of turn, getting uh, turning opponents over. They got uh, two fumbles and a pick against Greenbrier. They like to pound the ball and control clock. And Malachi Ilarman, uh, Mendy, excuse me, easy for him to say, uh, is their primary back. He's a pounder with some shifty moves. Um, but Portland, Portland's, you know, they've been in every game this season, save the opening game against Westview, which is a very good team out of Martin, Tennessee. Um, and last week the game was six to six at the half. Uh, Panthers found themselves down 19 to six and came back. Cade box is the, the motor that moves them. He loves to run the stretch. If you see film of this guy, if he gets the edge, he's gone. Uh, but he's got, he's got this danger, dangerous cutback move. He'll, he'll take it one way and all of a sudden he'll find that seam, cut it back, reverse field all the way around and outrun the defense. He's got that kind of can, uncanny natural ability to see things like that uh, and get up field. You know, they're dynamic. They got a, they got good speed. Uh, Patriots are a team that want to shorten the game. <sighs> Boy, you know, the Panthers are young. They're, they're continuing to mature. I don't know how quickly they can do it. I think the Patriots are the better team. But I think desperation may just put Portland over the top. I'm going to go with the Panthers. This one feels close to me just because Panthers have played close games for the most part of the season. The last, three, the last four games have all been decided by seven points or less after that loss to Westview. So they're getting themselves in position to win games. They have not been able to finish all of them, though. That's going to be important against a White House Heritage team that really has kind of been in in not really a lot of close games. They've had one decided by one possession. Last week was 13 over Greenbrier. The week before, 24 points over Sycamore. The Springfield game they don't want to talk about. You know, White House Heritage at four and one right now. They know that you know this is a game they cannot let get away because to them they probably are marking it down as a win, and they feel like they need to win it. Portland's a desperate team, but I don't know if youth and desperation are a good mix, especially this week. I'm giving I'm giving it to Heritage, and I think that uh, it may be a close game, but I think Heritage is a little more experienced. And I think they'll pull this one out. I can see that. Watertown and White House, we kind of stay a little bit in, in this region because White House is there. A, a good, good little mix right here. Portland, or I'm sorry, White House hosting Watertown. Watertown has won its last three since a four-point loss to Nolensville on August 27th. They won 35 to nothing over Cascade last week. White House, three straight losses after a 28-12 win over Station Camp to start the year. They were... They dropped 48-24 to at Springfield last week. They've still got a lot of meat left on their schedule, and you know, I don't know that White House can afford. If there's a game that White House can afford to drop, this is it, just because it's a non-region game, but they don't they don't want to go 1-4. That, that would be very bad for morale. Oh, I agree. Um, you know, as bad as the record looks, you know, they haven't played poorly. No. But the defense has got to continue to improve. And one of those losses was a double overtime loss to FRA as well. Let's throw right. that in there. Yeah, yeah, that's what, and that's what I was looking at. You know, you look, you know, aside from that Springfield game where, you know, really, the offense moved the ball. 
uh, Hudson just had a uh, they just couldn't stop him. Yeah, and that's and that's a problem. Um, you know, I like how their big guys block up front. If you watch these guys, they make their blocks and then they head upfield and they hit somebody else. They're drivers, and I love that about their offensive line there at White House. Raymond Blackburn, uh, 152 yards. He, uh, he's a power runner. With, he's got the quicks. Montreal Black. He is a bruising running yep. back. Um, you know they put up 228 total yards on Springfield. No passing yards at all. So it wasn't like Springfield didn't know what was coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but defensively, they gave up 475 yards, uh, 257 yards passing, 218 yards rushing. So again, that defense has got to be better. Watertown. Uh, the Purple Tigers very solid offensively. Casino threw for 113 three TDs against Cascade last week. He's a good quarterback. Gets the ball out of his hand really quickly. He loves to throw it up to his favorite. Quant- Quintarius, he's Malone. Malone. Yeah, you saw him up close and personal. Sure did. Um, another 107-yard uh, uh, week la- uh, last week, three touchdowns. But I want to talk about Jordan Kaysen. He had 76 yards on 14 carries last week, but if you want to look at a comparable team, I looked at the Cab County film uh, against him. In the fourth quarter, he kind of took over that game, finished with 134 yards on eight carries and three TDs. As the game goes on, he gets stronger. I think this game, it has the makings of a really great game. White House has the numbers, Watertown the star power. What bothers me about the Blue Devils is their passing game and their defense. Um, Watertown is averaging 10.4 points per game on defense. Now, granted, they're not playing the same people. But I think the Purple Tigers have a little too much firepower for the Devils this week. I agree. I, I think that uh, Watertown has, has taken the momentum from that win at Trostle County, and they've kind of just ran with it. You know, They beat DeKalb County. They beat Cascade. They've only given up – I mean, they've given up 24 points once this year, and then everything else has been 14 or less. Watertown can play some defense, and they're going to have to against Raynan Blackburn, who I think surpassed the 2,000-yard career rushing mark last week, if I'm not mistaken. No, I think you're right. So it's a good milestone for him, and he should have another decent night. But if White House has to throw it, I don't know that they can. And Watertown's going to get him in a situation where they're going to force White House to throw enough that they'll be able to protect the lead. And I like Watertown for that reason. One more game to talk about, NBA at Ensworth. It's our game of the week. A lot of star power in this ball game, but also a lot of catching up to do for Ensworth because they're only two games into their season as well. Yeah, uh, that, that's the good thing about it. Both teams are you – know, you know, started basically at the same time. And Ensworth really hasn't had the start that I think they hoped they'd have. Uh, they're averaging like 29 points per game, uh, giving up on defense. NBA, on the other hand, could not have had a better start. Two region wins to start the season. Um, you know, Ensworth actually outstatted Baylor last week. They had more first downs. They had more rushing yards. Uh, only six less pass yards. But they had more penalties, and they just gave up big plays at the worst possible times. They would score, and then they'd give up a punt, a kickoff return, or they'd they'd score and give up a big play. And 
uh, you know, that's just a soul killer because it just kills momentum. And I think that, you know, and then, and it also Baylor switched to his own scheme after after they got torched on that first play by Andre Tarantine. Um, you know, something I think NBA will probably mimic just to neutralize him. Um, another issue is Charles Ingram got hurt in that game late. He had 122 yards, but uh, he got hurt late in the game. I do not know whether I've not heard whether he'll be back or if he's healthy for this game. I think that will play a big role in it. Um, defensively, you know, they gave up, uh, you know, 25-yard, uh, almost 26 yards per pass, and the kickoff return. You know, we talked about big plays. NBA, you know, that offense has been on fire through the first two games. Uh <laughs> but their defense is allowing 31 points per game, so yeah. uh, they've had to be. Uh, so far, the defense has given up 362 yards, and their completion percentage they're allowing over 50%. But Marcel Reed has started well. And, you know, he's another one of those rush uh, pass options, although he does prefer to throw. He does prefer to throw. But you, he doesn't have to run because he's got Patrick Wilk in the backfield. Um, 29 carries, 361 yards, four touchdowns on the season, and he spreads the ball around really well. Uh, Reed does. Uh, Lucian Brunetti has got the most yards. So this year, Innsworth has had difficulty with mobile quarterbacks that can throw. And then they get another one this week. I, I think this is a potential track meet, honestly. Innsworth may just have a little bit uh, – may, may actually have a little better defense – than NBA at this point, at least stat-wise they do. Right. Um, but to me, there's an X factor in this. Andrew Bolgarino. Uh, he's a big leg kicker who's accurate on field goals, and he can make big kicks. I think this game may come down to a kick. I honestly do. Now, it may be 48-45, but I think this game may come down to a kick. Uh, for that reason – I'm going to take the big red by a whisker. The only concern that I might have about a potential track meet is the weather because the forecast for Friday sounds like there may be some more rain coming. No, no. Why we don't need it. We don't need it on a Friday again. But Then, then you can't. we can't schedule another NBA game because last year it came a torrential downpour. You're right about that. You're right about that. I, I've not heard the end of it. but <laughs> I'm but, sorry. Go ahead. But – I think NBA, with a little more experience at quarterback, I think, and that's <laughs> to say that as Marcel Reed is a sophomore is one thing, <laughs> but he has enough experience on a state run to, you know, to consider himself a veteran at this point. And I don't know that the defenses are going to show up. If they do, I'll be kind of shocked. We may we may be in the forties for both teams, but. Uh, at the end of the night, I think NBA is going to be left standing in three and zero. You could be there again, really late. <laughs> this is it's not a TV game, which is which is the thing. I mean, uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I, I think that uh, you know, I'm a little jealous of this game because I think this will be a really good one. To it could play. be a fun one to, to to watch. A lot of star power on both sides. I think this is a a very solid pick for our uh, spotlight game. And to think we did it in July. We, we pick these in July, not you know, not the week of, as some people might think. But some people think that. 
some people have thought that. Some people have told us that, but you know, they don't follow us on social media, so you know what? Well, they haven't talked. It's to not us their fault. It's not our fault. Ah, I've I've not heard that. Okay. Mm, okay. Anyway, enough with the uh, sour grapes. Let's <laughs> let's get out of here for this week. Uh, that's all the time we've got for the Six One Five Preps podcast this week. My name is Chris Brooks, alongside Scott Burton. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week with hopefully a lot more and some reaction from Metro as well. Yep. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next week. Bye. The 615 Preps Podcast is a production of B-Squared Media, LLC. Our theme music is A Closet Full of Bones by Mama Tried, and is used with their permission. You can download their music on the 615preps.com website or on SoundCloud. Your hosts for the 615 Preps Podcast are Chris Brooks and Scott Burton. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CBrooksTN and Scott at SBurton615.